indescribable and profound, I think, declarations found in the Bible. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, that's also the echo of the fulfillment of the prophetic word that was prophesied by Isaiah, where it says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In a crazy year of 2020, I think we need to grab onto and understand what does it mean that God is with us. Is that a proclamation that just a baby was to be born? Is it a proclamation that God incarnate Jesus coming to earth and he arrived and so he's with us? Or is there so much more to that statement or that meaning that Emmanuel, God is with us? Do you know that God's desire is to be with you and me? I mean, do we understand that? For many people, Christmas is a very happy time of year, while for others, it can be one of the hardest times of the year. It can be extremely difficult. For those who have lost a loved one, Christmas can be extremely challenging. For some who are dealing with, as we've been interacting with some friends through Luke and Caleb Lily Grace's homeschool years who have lost a 20-year-old son this past week. Christmas is really hard right now. Very difficult. Those who have uh, become lonely, Christmas accentuates that and lifts it up to even more to go, I'm by myself. But what is the essential message of Christmas? Emmanuel, God has come to be with us. Christmas is about undoing loneliness. Christmas is about realizing that we don't walk through this life alone. The message of Christmas is that none of us are alone. No matter what we're walking in right now. I think this reality escapes so many of us Because it seems too good that a God would use His time on us. It seems too good to be true. He's the almighty, powerful God, and He wants to be with us. He wants to be with you and me. This is the reality, and this is the theme of the Bible, that He wants to be with us. God created and loves us, sin separated for us from Him, and the rest of the story of the Bible shows us how God wants to be with us. And as we gather this early December to start thinking about God with us, the Christ child to come, we need to be reminded that that's His desire to be with us. Let's just think on this idea together this morning. Imagine how quickly the news must have spread around town, around Nazareth. 
I mean, you stop and think about it, probably much like a, the, the halls of high school, or even better yet, like across social media, the whispers and the pointing and the gossips, gossips and, the, and the text and the, and the tweets that are going out or the Facebook posts that are going out. Did you hear the news? Hey, did you hear what happened? Did you hear what's taking place? Mary, yeah, Mary, you know that really holy, righteous girl? She's pregnant. No, not Mary. Yeah, Mary, no, got to be the other Mary. No, not the other Mary, the, the other Mary. I mean, could you imagine the conversations and be like, I would have never guessed her. There's no way. Are you sure? I can imagine the blowing up today of social media that would be taking place. Can you imagine Mary's thoughts as she comes back from that meeting with the angel? The one where she's told, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she's a teenager, and she's thinking, wait, I've never had sex. How's that possible? No, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to have a baby. Not only was she going to have a baby, she's told that she's bringing the Savior of the world into this country. Well, yeah, you're bringing the Savior of the world. Try to explain that one to your friends. Well, here's what really happened. Try to tell that to your boyfriend. Now, I know that we've been pure, but i got to let you know something. I mean, what kind of conversation would that be? Try to tell your parents, hey, Mom and Dad, i got to tell you something. I'm, 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 I'm pregnant with Savior of the world. And mom and dad are like, what? You're lying, kid. And if you're a parent, all of us have had those conversations with our kids where we're like, you're not telling me the truth. I can imagine her parents. As exciting as it was for Mary was chosen, be chosen the mother of the Messiah, I, I bet she was also scared out of her mind. What is going on? Luke 1, 28, we get a glimpse of what may have helped sustain Mary through the tough times. It says the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Get this, the Lord is with you. You're not alone. You catch that? I mean, right from the moment where the angel shows up, shows up on the scene, tells her she's going to be pregnant, first thing he reminds her of, you are not alone, Mary. You're not walking through this challenge by yourself in that exciting, scary, confusing, what's going on moment. The angel says, listen, God's with you. I imagine those nine months. Come imagine what it'd be like. I'm guessing there were days where it was pretty tough. It's tough enough just to go through a normal pregnancy. We may not know exactly what it felt like to be telling the truth and trying to explain to people, here's what's really happening. It's a miraculous conception, and I'm carrying the Savior of the world. We may not understand that, but all of us can relate to going through tough times and confusing situations in life. I think we can all relate to that. I find comfort and excitement knowing that Jesus... The, the, the one whom Mary truly did carry in her teenage body for nine months, Jesus, the one whom we anxiously await to celebrate during this Advent season, Jesus, the King of the, King of the universe, Jesus, the Emmanuel, which means God with us. I find comfort and excitement in knowing that God is with us even when times are hard or difficult or confusing. God's with us, and as we anticipate the celebration and the birth of 
God's Son, the child, we're reminded that He's not some distant deity living off in some kingdom, in some world that we can't touch. He's a faithful friend. And He's with us. God is with us to, to talk through the tough and the exciting and the confusing times. He's with us. He, he understands us when no one else around us understands us. He, he promises to never leave us or never to forsake us. Even when we do mess up, He provides forgiveness and grace because He is the reason. We are the reason He came. He lived inside a teenage girl for nine months, was born in a nasty, dirty stable, grew up with all the other kids so that he would be able to go to the cross and die? Why do you do that? For you? For me? For our friends? To save people from their sins that separates them from God so that we can be what? With Him. Because that's God's desire. And while we don't have the same physical reminder that Mary had for those nine months, we can rest and rejoice in the truth that the angel would have shared with Mary, the Lord is with you today and always. It wasn't that the Lord just showed up in a stable. See, the birth of Jesus is set in history, and they will call his name Emmanuel. To be called according to the Hebraic understanding means that the person who spoke of is spoken of is will is is reality is actually that's his title because that's part of his character that that's who he is. So the name Emmanuel points to the one who bears the name. So it's not just a statement of he is with you because he came into this world as a baby. He is with us even though he has ascended to heaven and God sits up in heaven. He's still with us because why? He's given us the power, the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, he hasn't left you. He is God incarnate. God coming into human flesh and dwells by His Spirit in the hearts of people. Jesus Christ, God's Son, through the Holy Spirit, is with us. What a comfort, what a joy to know that He will never leave us or never forsake us. See, He knows the frailty of humanity. He knows our weakness. He knows our pain. He knows our shame, being humans, because He became one of us. And so he understands what we walk in. See, the wonder of the incarnation is that the babe in Bethlehem grew to be the man who died on Calvary, taking our punishment and our guilt and our blame that his life might be ours. And the big question I think we should ask at Christmas is why? Why would he care so much about me? Why would he care so much about you? Why would he care so much about your friend? Why would he possibly care so much? And the only answer I can possibly come up with is because God loves us that much. Because God loves us and he wants to fight for us. And the verse that many of us grew up with and saying, well, that was my vacation in Bible school verse or taught in Sunday school, is true that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And God did not send his son in this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Those are verses that tell me that God's fighting for me. God's fighting for you. God's fighting for us. Why? Because He loves us that much. Now, I would assume 
most in this room that are with us in person today, and probably many that are online today, probably know that truth. But let me ask you, have you forgotten sometimes about it in this crazy season of 2020? In the pandemic, in the racial tensions we've had, the financial struggles, the job stress, the wearing the mask, the restaurants are open, the restaurants are closed, the schools are going to open, the schools are not going to open, we're going to be online, we're not going to be online, we're going to do church this way, we're going to do church that way. Have we forgotten that great news that God loves us so much, he's fighting for us and he's with us? I know at times I've probably set that aside, or at least behave that I've set it aside, kind of forget about that. You ever stop and wonder, God, why are you not fixing this world? Now, I'm not a prophet, but let me just give us a warning, church. Things with the pandemic might or should, I would guess, get better. The truth is, the world's going to have another struggle on the heels of it. There will be another challenge. There will be another difficulty. There's going to be another hardship because we're, we're informed of that in the Scriptures. And if anything, 2020 should be a year that helps us to grow and to mature, to go even when life is falling apart and seeming all crazy, I can still press on because our God fights for us and our God is with us. I mean, I'm reminded in Scripture, when you look at 2 Chronicles 3, uh, 32, it says, with us the Lord our God is here to help us fight our battles. And Nehemiah told the people that our God will fight for us. And in Psalm 35, David prayed, fight against those who fight against me. And I think you'd say, who fight against you? And if God was fighting the battles for people before us, he's fighting the battles for us now. He hasn't stopped. Why? Because that's part of his character. See, not only does God promise to be with us, but he promises to fight for us, fight for us. Let those words sink in for a moment. Max Lucado says he fights for us, God, the CEO, the president, the king, the supreme ruler, absolute monarch, the Tsar, the emperor, the Rajah of all history. He runs interference and provides covers. Cover. He is impeccably perfect, tirelessly strong, unquestionably capable, and he is endlessly joyful, wise, and willing, and he fights. He deploys angels and commands weather. He stands down Goliath and vacates cemeteries. He fights for you. I think this Christmas season, as we think about Emmanuel, God with us, we need to understand he's on our side. and He's never left us. He's fighting for your health. He's fighting for your family. He's fighting for your faith. He's fighting for your safety. And are the odds against you? Does your boss have it out for you? Are there evils in the world we can't begin to understand? It's a difficult time for sure, but God fights for us. And you may say, me? Me with my sin-filled past? Me with the behaviors that I'm involved in right now that maybe don't honor God or make Him happy. Me with the target on my back. Me with, with the child that's in danger. Me with the bad back or the bad credit or the bad job or the badge you fill in the blank. You mean He cares that much for me? He, he's not fighting just for the rich and the pretty and the religious? No, He fights for all of yous. I know that's not proper language. He fights for all of us all of us of the world. 
It's one thing I love about the church. The church brings together all of us, no matter our skin color, no matter our speech, no matter our economic status, no matter our education level. The church brings together all of us, and all of us are the same and equal underneath and at the foot of the cross. And he fights for all of us. See, the big news of the Bible is not that you fight for God, but he fights for you. And to know this, to know that your father fights for you is an unparalleled source of empowerment and encouragement. My goal this Christmas, this week, next week, is that you walk out of here or you turn off the social media world and you hear this message. My goal is you walk out and you're like, okay, I'm kind of walking on cloud nine because I got a great God. I, I want us to walk out of here being encouraged. I want us to turn off the social media today and go, I am so encouraged of who my God is. It was late January 1956 when Dr. Mo- Dr. Luther King Jr. received a threatening phone call at his house. It was not the first foreboding message that he had received, but on this night, as his children and wife were laying asleep, the weight of the civil rights movement was too heavy for him, and he decided that the risk was too great. He began to map out his exit strategy, and he bowed one night at the kitchen table and began to pray, and here's what he he had even written in his journal. I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. And King described what happened next when he wrote and said, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced him before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. See, when facing that daunting challenge, King shifted his focus and he turned to God. And we can do the same. Paul and Silas, you probably remember them, that that missionary duo that was thrown into a Roman jail in Philippi. The, The jailer locked them into the innermost part of the prison, fastened up their feet and and chained them up, and and they had no recourse, no way of escape, and rather look at their shackles, which they could have looked and said, why me? Why am I going through this? Why my difficulty? They looked up to God, and it says in Scripture, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Can't go to the grocery store. You can't go to school. You can't uh, go to the restaurant. You can't do this. You got to wear a mask. Well, are we going to whine and complain about that? We're going to look up and say, God, I'm going to still sing and still praise you. You know, the mask doesn't stop us from doing that. Stores being closed don't stop us from doing that. Restaurants being closed don't stop us from doing that. Schools being closed don't stop us from doing that. But I'm just concerned that that has become our consumption. It was midnight. They were in the deepest hole of the jail. The doors are locked. The guards are on duty. Paul and Silas are singing and praying. I hope they sing better than I do. Like Joshua, though they looked to God for help, and they received it, and Scripture says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's were chains were loosed. I would have loved to be in that situation. Wouldn't that have been cool to be like, I'm in prison, and all of a sudden, man, all the chains are gone, and the gates are open. We can just run out and be free. What an amazing situation. You know when the help came? After they lifted their eyes to heaven. 
It wasn't when they were looking down, going, look at I got chains. Look how horrible this is. Oh, I got to wear a mask. Oh, I can't go to the restaurant. Oh, I lost my job. Oh, no sickness. It wasn't then when help came. It was when they looked up to heaven and said, God, we need your help. God, you're a great God. God, we're going to praise you. God, we're going to sing to you. God, in the middle of all this trouble, we look to you. Perhaps it's time for you and me to do the same. Perhaps it's time for us to do a whole lot more looking up than versus looking around or looking down. It's time for us to lift our eyes to heaven because God is standing with us. God is fighting for us. When God became flesh, he fought for our souls. When Jesus faced the devil in the wilderness, he fought for peace. When he stood up for the neglected and lonely and hurting, he was standing up for you and me. He knows our pain. He knows our sorrow. And he's walked the lonely roads of sleepless nights before. I promise you, God is still with us. I promise you. Well, how can you promise that? Because the scriptures are replete with the truth that God is with us. He fights to comfort us. He fights to strengthen us, even in the shadow of pain and the threat of evil. He fights to guide us and redeem us, even when we can't see the light, even when we don't understand it. Like Dr. King, we need only to turn to God, see him standing at our side, fighting in victory for us. The psalmist wrote and says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him, in truth. What do we do in a time when life is crazy? We continue to call on him. We continue to look up to him. We continue to trust Emmanuel that God is with us, is fighting for you and me.